Hallelujah. And if you're, if you're uh, even remotely interested in working with the altar guild, I assure you their luncheons have the very best in food and, and goodies. And so uh, it's an opportunity to, to, to um, be treated uh, to that and then uh, join them in, in the fantastic work they do. And, and aren't you appreciative of Jessica as well? Why don't you give the Lord a hand for her? Hallelujah. Uh, uh, one other quick thing, uh, David Ray uh, grabbed me uh, last week, and uh, he, he's talked to a group of guys, and, and so he's having, uh, uh, I, think, I think they just became jealous of the ladies, and, uh, um, and so David's going to host uh, uh, just kind of a, a fellowship get-together at his house for guys uh, Thursday, November 4th, uh, that's I think in two weeks, Thursday, November the 4th, from 7 to 8.30 at the Ray's house, there'll be uh, snacks, dessert, that sort of thing, coffee and whatnot, uh, time of fellowship and, and sharing together. And that's uh, for men. David Ray's house, uh, uh, he's going to put that on for us uh, um, Thursday, November the 4th. And if you're interested in that, uh, then he asks that you let him know uh, that you're interested so he can have an, kind of an idea of uh, uh, how many people are interested and prepared for that. So praise the Lord. And uh, with that in mind, uh, let me... Adjust this here, and praise the Lord. I'm sorry, I've got a lot of things here. I'm used to having two hands free, so give me just a second. got to do that. There we go. All right. Uh, praise the Lord. Well, last week, uh, you know, we hosted here at Resurrection Church uh, the Southeast uh, Regional Gathering for Harvest Network International, HNI. The theme for that gathering was Renew, Restore, Rebuild. And since they asked me to, to lead one of the sessions, I spent some time thinking a little bit about that theme, and um, uh, especially the ideas of renew and restore, which ultimately eventually led me to Psalm 51, and that's where I want to start this morning. So uh, just to get us focused and moving, would you stand with me, please, as you're able? And uh, just to get us focused and moving, I'm going to read the first 12 verses of Psalm 51. For the sake of time, I'm going to read them for us, if you just listen. Uh, to the word of the Lord, Psalm 51, beginning at verse 1. Uh, this is what the Bible says. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. So you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Now, I want to take a few minutes this morning and talk to you from the Bible about several areas in the lives of God's people. I believe God delights and desires to renew and restore those who love Him, those who know Him. Maybe one of these areas this morning will resonate with you. And if not, maybe you'll have the opportunity to share some of this with someone you know, someone in your life who needs some renewing or restoring in their own lives. But before I get into those areas, I do want to take just a couple of minutes to address the first part 
of Psalm 51. Uh, because Psalm 51 deals with a reality that, in my estimation, too few people really take time to contemplate very much anymore today. Specifically, Psalm 21 deals with the painful reality, uh, the ugly reality of sin and the effect sin has on your life. Years ago, and for many, many years, Christians came under withering criticism for being ostensibly all about sin, all, all about hellfire and brimstone, all about the thou shalt nots of the Bible. Christians were saddled with a reputation for being angry and dour and judgmental. And an awful lot of people hopped on that saddle and rode the church right into the ground over it. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I have never been in a church like that. A church marked by angry and fundamentally condemnatory people. I've never been in a church like that. Now, I've known some individuals who may fit that particular bill. But by and large, my, my overall experience of the people of God is that they are a people who tend to be kind and loving and gracious. A people who, uh, for the most part, most of the time, genuinely really do try to love God and, and love others. Unfortunately, however, an awful lot of Christians, stung by the harshness of that criticism, stung by the harshness of that characterization, and probably a little too worried about what other people were saying about them, too many Christians reacted to that criticism by running as hard and as fast and as far as they possibly could from the subject of sin altogether. And the result has been, as far as I can tell, a church in America today that almost never talks about sin. A church in America today that often appears to me embarrassed by the subject of sin or hell or judgment. And so it has become a church that in many ways no longer espouses anything like historic biblical Christianity. But this discomfort with the reality of sin is not even remotely biblical. And nowhere is that more obvious than in the words of Psalm 51, a psalm that opens with King David praying, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions. And my sin is always before me. These are powerful words. Words that reveal in King David a man who simultaneously, number one, trusts in the love and the mercy and the kindness of God, who believes in the goodness and the grace of God, and number two, who is keenly, deeply, and painfully aware of the depth and the darkness of his own sin. It reveals a man who understands the kindness and the mercy and the love of God, who understands that the kindness and the mercy and the love of God did not automatically mean he was okay. It did not automatically mean God was okay with the things he had been doing or the way he had been living. It did not automatically mean or in fact in any way mean that sin is no big deal. On the other hand, it reveals a man who also understood that sin can be forgiven and wiped away if you'll repent, 
If you'll turn back to God, confessing the wrong you've done, trusting in the grace of God and Jesus, surrendering your life to Him. Dave Browning once observed, sin really does a number on people. And that's certainly the testimony of this psalm. As David pleads in verse 8, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. See, sin sucks away joy and gladness. It crushes your bones. It saps your strength. It robs you of life and vitality, even while promising you fleeting pleasure. So when we talk about being renewed and restored, I want to make sure you understand this morning, there's nothing more important for you to be renewed from. Nothing more important for you to be restored from than from sin and the consequences of sin. The separation sin brings between you and God. And I just want to take a second and say right here, if you're listening to me, if you're here in this room, if you're checking us out over the Internet and you've never given your life to God through Jesus, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you need to take care of that this morning. You need to do that. And if you're listening to me here in the room or, or out there in the ether sphere somewhere, and you're wrapped up in sin, you're caught up in sin, and you know you are, you need to deal with that this morning. You need to repent. You need to turn from your sin. You need to turn to the Lord and receive the mercy and the renewing He has for you. And with that as our backdrop, I want to take a couple more minutes and talk to you about some of the things some of the things and some of the ways the Bible says God delights and desires to renew and restore those who love Him. And let me begin just by speaking very directly to anybody here who has lost years. You've lost time, maybe you've lost years to, to some sort of ravaging, debilitating kind of thing. In Joel chapter 2, verse 25, the Lord says through the prophet Joel, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Earlier in the book of Joel, the prophet uh, um, warns that, that this massive invasion of locusts is coming upon the land of Judah, and it's coming as a judgment from God upon the land for their sin. Locusts, by the way, by their very nature, have a tendency to, to come in and destroy crops in such a way that the damage they do tends to take years. The devastation they cause tends to take years to recover. And this is an actual picture of an actual man in an actual locust storm uh, in East Africa. But here in Joel 2.25, God reveals His mercy by promising the people that He Himself will restore to them the years the locusts had eaten. Now, I want to make sure you understand that, that we learn how to read Scripture well. This Scripture has a very specific historical context. This is a specific promise at a specific time to the specific ancient people, or people of ancient Judah. But it reveals, nevertheless, a great deal about the heart and the character and the nature of God. And the God of the Bible, the God we serve as Christians, is a God of mercy and compassion. He's a God of redemption and restoration. He's a God who delights in forgiving and saving those who turn to Him in repentance and faith. And so I want to say to you this morning, whoever you are, wherever you are, 
if you've lost time, maybe you've lost years of your life. If you've lost time to an abusive parent, you lost your childhood, and the truth is you're still losing time because you haven't been able to get past it yet. If you've lost time to an abusive spouse, if you've lost years to alcohol or drug abuse and addiction, if you've lost years of your life to depression or anxiety or debilitating fear and the kinds of dysfunction that brings on a person, if you've lost time, if you've lost years to sickness and pain or dealing with someone, caring for someone in sickness and pain, maybe you've lost years of closeness with someone in your family, angry words left you estranged from a child or a parent or a sibling, Maybe you've lost years of your life to sin and the consequences of sin. If you lost time locked up in jail, if you lost time trapped in prostitution or suffering in some kind of sinful relationship, I'm here to tell you right now, right now, the God who restored years to the nation of Judah can do the same for you. We sing a song here at Resurrection sometimes called God So Loved. Some of the lyrics say things like this. Come all you weary. Come all you thirsty. Come all you sinners. Come find his mercy. Bring all your failures. Bring your addictions. Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Some people imagine they have great things to bring to God. I want to assure you, you have nothing he needs. But God in his great mercy and compassion desires for you to bring him your brokenness. If you have time, years that need restoring, my encouragement is you need to turn full face to God this morning. If those years are the result of your sin, then you need to confess that and repent and turn from your sin. You need to repent of living in ways God disapproves of. You need to repent of living in ways that violate God's plan for you, in ways that hurt yourself and that hurt others. And I want to remind you that the locusts that ravaged the land of Judah were a direct result of their own sin. But God, in his mercy, restored them anyway. On the other hand, if the time, the years you've lost, or honestly through no fault of your own, I still want to encourage you to turn your face to God in faith and in hope. Ask him to heal you. Ask him to heal your heart and your mind. Ask him to heal your relationships. Ask him to restore to you the time, the years that have been taken from you. He's able to do that. God is absolutely able to restore to you things you thought were gone forever. God is able to do in an instant what you cannot do in a lifetime. If you recognize you've lost time, you've lost years, some way or the other, then I encourage you to turn to the Lord and ask him to restore it to you. He's able to do that, and he's good enough to. God is a restorer. He's a redeemer, and that brings me to the next thing. According to the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 40, even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. The Hebrew word here for strength is the word koach. 
It refers to your ability and power to accomplish the things set before you. So I just want to say, if you're feeling insufficient this morning, if you get up on Monday and you go into the office and you do not feel up for the tasks before you, you need to have your koach restored. You need to have your koach renewed, which happens, by the way, according to Isaiah, as you hope in the Lord, as you press into Him and wrap yourself up in Him and focus on Him and give your attention to Him and trust in Him and hope in Him and lean on Him, putting your confidence and trust in Him. Renewing your strength is God's response every time you think, I just can't do this. Related to the renewing of your strength is the Lord renewing your youth. Psalm 103 opens up with praises to God, and by the time we get to verse 5, we are praising God who, among other things, satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, again, we're going to learn to read the Bible correctly. As we learn to read the Bible correctly, this is the writer speaking here figuratively. God's not literally going to take a 60-year-old man and give him the heart and lungs of a teenager. The author's using poetic language. This is a psalm. So the question is, what does it mean? What is the Bible saying here? And it's saying that God wants to give you a new vitality. The word renew means renew, to make new again, to make fresh again, to restore a freshness. God wants to restore a freshness to you and to your life. He delights in that. He wants that for you. He wants to restore freshness to you. In ministry, in marriage, in school, in work, in parenting. He wants to restore freshness to you, to make you new, to make new inside of you. Listen to this. God wants to make new inside of you whatever important thing has begun to feel old or stale or obligatory. He wants to renew within you a sort of youthfulness. He wants you to have a fresh pep in your step and a fresh optimism about your future, a belief that the sky really is the limit and that with God, all things really are possible. You know, Melissa and I have eight children, and it's been my honor to watch them grow up. And based on what I believe is a prodigious amount of personal experience in the matter, a prodigious amount of personal experience watching youth and children I'm convinced that the two hallmarks of youthfulness are unbounded energy and unbounded optimism. Healthy kids are full of life, and healthy kids believe they can do anything. The first time they pick up a basketball, they tell you they're going to the NBA. The first time they put on ballet shoes, they see themselves dancing at Lincoln Center. Children believe they can do anything. And I believe that is exactly what God wants to restore and renew in you. He wants to restore your zest for life. And he wants to restore in you an almost reckless confidence in him. A youthful enthusiasm for what's still to come. Age tends to wear on those things and drag them down. God wants to restore your youth. Chronologically, how old you are means nothing to him. He wants to restore your zest and your optimism. The God I love, the God I serve is a renewer and a restorer. 
And I want to close up this morning by going back where we started to Psalm 51 and talk briefly about two other things the Lord desires to renew and restore in his people. First, in Psalm 51.10, David prays, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. A steadfast spirit is a firm spirit. It's a tall and a strong spirit. Literally, it's a spirit that stands upright. Listen, life can be hard and wearisome. Living for God is certainly not always easy, and sometimes it results in opposition and scorn. That's just the truth. No surprise, then, when the people of God on occasion slack off in their resolve, when they feel jaded, or even worse, when they simply become acclimated to wrongdoing and sin. The best of us on occasion get tempted to go along to get along, to approve of that which is not right, to join in that which we know we shouldn't. But the people of God must always be ready to take stands that are not popular. And if that has become an issue for you, you recognize, you've noticed yourself beginning to back down, beginning to give in in ways you know you should not. God wants to renew a steadfast spirit within you. He wants to restore your courage. He wants to restore your resolve to do what's right, no matter the cost. And finally, right on the heels of that, maybe even in conjunction with it, David says in Psalm 51, 12, the Lord wants to restore to you, or he prays that the Lord would restore to him the joy of your salvation. <clears throat> I want to be clear. The Bible doesn't say God wants to make you happy. It says he wants to give you joy. And not just joy in general. This is joy in the salvation he provides. This is joy in the Lord. Joy in your life as a child of God. God wants to give you joy so that you literally genuinely, authentically delight every single day in God and His Word, in the forgiveness and the new life you have in Jesus, in the kingdom work He sets before you, and in that coming eternal kingdom of God that we're waiting to be a part of for the rest of forever. The Christian life can be hard, but it is always meant to be a joy. And if walking with the Lord fails to delight you every day, I believe the Lord wants to restore to you this morning the joy of your salvation. If you need renewing or restoring in any one of these areas, in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to just, to just do something physical in response and say, Lord, I want that, I need that, I believe you will give me that. In uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 15, King Asa was one of the good kings of Judah. He began to institute reforms in the land, really to usher in a revival in the land. And part of what he did, the Bible says, was he restored the altar. He restored the place of sacrifice, the place of repentance, the place of meeting with God. We have an altar. And so I just want to give you an opportunity. I'm not going to belabor this. Don't do it a lot. But I do believe the Lord said to it this morning. If you know you have lost time, you have years that were ravaged that you would like to see restored, and you believe God would do that for you, I'm going to encourage you to come to the altar. If you, if you, are, you just feel like, I can't do the things I'm supposed to do, and you need God to renew, I'm going to ask you to come to the altar. If you need your youthfulness, your zest, your zeal, and your optimism, your enthusiasm for what lies ahead restored, I'm going to encourage you to come to the altar. If you need your steadfast spirit restored, your courage and your resolve restored, 
I'm encouraging you to come to the altar. If you need your joy in the Lord restored, I'm going to encourage you to come to the altar. I'm going to ask you to do that right now. And, and, and uh, we won't, won't do belabor this. We're not going to take a lot of time with it. But if you say, Lord, I need some of that, one of that, any of that restored in my life, and I believe that you want to do it, then I'd encourage you to come to the altar for just a minute. <laughs>